Why it is still too early to start withdrawing stimulus. September the 8th, 2009. Our unprecedented, decisive, our unprecedented, decisive and concerted policy action has helped to arrest the decline and boost global demand. Thus did the finance ministers and central bank governors of the group of 20 leading high-income and emerging economies pat themselves on the back over the weekend. They were right. The response to the crisis was both essential and successful, but it is still too early to declare victory. Ben Bernanke, recently nominated by Barack Obama to a second term as chairman of the Federal Reserve, made the point at this year's Jackson Hole Monetary Symposium. I quote, Without these speedy and forceful actions, last October's panic would likely have continued to intensify. More major financial firms would have failed, and the entire global financial system would have been at serious risk. What we know about the effects of financial crises suggests that the resulting global downturn could have been extraordinarily deep and protracted. Two groups of thinkers reject this viewpoint. One argues that the economy is always in equilibrium. If unemployment has exploded upwards, it can only be because, after Lehman imploded, workers chose to take a holiday. An alternative view is that depressions are the natural consequences of excess. Both the guilty and the innocent must suffer, as past errors are purged. Rightly, policymakers rejected both views. Economies are not always in equilibrium, and while a correction of excesses in asset prices, financial markets and consumption had become inescapable, a cumulative downward spiral was neither inevitable nor tolerable. The rescue of the financial system, unprecedented monetary easing and fiscal expansion, most of the latter being automatic rather than discretionary, have indeed put a flaw under the world economy. J.P. Morgan analysts add to this a second, more temporary element, a, quote, correction by firms that plan for far worse economic and financial conditions at the start of the year than have been realized, end of quote. As a result, it now forecasts annualized growth of gross domestic product of 4% in the U.S. and 3% in the Eurozone in the third quarter. Perhaps the most striking success has been the recovery of the financial sector. Indeed, this resurgence, while welcome, is embarrassing. Financiers are back to their high-earning ways, while tens of millions of people have lost their jobs, economies are still operating far below potential, and public sector debt is exploding upwards. It is little wonder that bonus bashing is on the menu. Indicators of risk aversion in financial markets have improved markedly. As confidence has returned, stock markets have rebounded, though they remain well below past peaks. In the real economy, manufacturing output has stabilised. A substantial rebound is likely as the inventory cycle turns. The consensus of forecasts for 2010 is now showing successive monthly improvement, with China and India leading the way globally, and the US, as usual, 
leading among the big high-income countries. So what should be done now? The G20 finance ministers were right to agree, I quote, the need for a transparent and credible process for withdrawing our extraordinary fiscal, monetary and financial sector support as recovery becomes firmly secured, end of quote. But having a credible plan is a very different matter from implementing it. Indeed, having a credible plan is the way to avoid premature reversal of policies. Many worry about inflation. Currently, this borders on hysteria. More importantly, that danger will not be reduced by early withdrawal of stimulus. On the contrary, that might even make the danger bigger, since it could well provoke yet another round of aggressive interventions. Why then is there no good reason to worry about inflation right now? First and foremost, the world economy has massive excess capacity. This is impossible to measure precisely, particularly after the recent upheavals. In its most recent economic outlook, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development estimated the difference between actual and potential output this year at more than 5% of potential output in its member countries. Growth next year needs to be at least 2-3% to for this gap, even to fall. On the latest consensus of forecasts, that will not happen. Second, even heavy public sector debts are sustainable. The real interest rate paid by the US government on its debt is below 2%. So servicing a ratio of net public debt to GDP as high as 100% would cost just 2% of GDP. It is ludicrous to argue that this would be an insupportable burden. Moreover, For an economy growing at 4% a year in nominal terms, surely the minimum one would expect of the US in the long term, net public debt could be stabilised at 100% of GDP with a fiscal deficit of just 4% of GDP. That is not a recommendation, but an observation. Finally, the expansion of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, including the jump in the reserves of the commercial banks, will only generate inflation once lending and spending start to take off. But these are precisely the circumstances in which it will be easiest for the Fed to drain excess liquidity. True, it might wait too long, but it does not have to do so. Now suppose that instead of keeping calm, the authorities are frightened into premature monetary and fiscal tightening. Given the extreme fragility of the private sector, that might cause another economic downturn the inevitable result will be another round of emergency fiscal and monetary measures. The point is fundamental. Exceptional monetary and fiscal measures are not the root cause of the danger. It is the weakness of the private economy that is at its root. The policy measures we see are a consequence. All this makes the implementation of national and global exit strategies a matter of exquisite judgment. Almost certainly errors will indeed be made, but it is perfectly clear what the core elements will have to be. Credibly independent central banks, a credible commitment to fiscal responsibility in the long term, and rebalancing of global demand away from dependence on the high-spending countries of old. Is this going to be easy? Definitely not. 
Is it even going to happen? I fear not. But policymakers have at least given us the opportunity to discuss the exit. That is a success. Now we need to build a vigorous global recovery upon it.